0: star studios in denison texas this is coffee with a sign painter a weekly podcast hosted by sign painter sean star that consists of interviews with other sign painters and some of the customers and characters sean comes across while running his studio
1: Today we get to talk to Matthew Foster, which is an old friend of mine. Um, Matthew is a heavyweight in the world of design and branding. Uh, He used to work um, for the humongous ad agency, Wyden Kennedy, which is a worldwide agency with huge clients. Um, After that, he went and uh, was one of the co-founders of the official manufacturing company, Um, in Portland and uh, now he's in LA Um, he's been down there for a few years and he's uh, he's got a uh, set up down there an agency um, called radical co-op and um, I'm gonna talk to him today Um, Matthew is uh, is one of the people that got me involved in working on some of the gap uh, projects that uh, we worked on a few years back and um, you'll recognize some of his work if you go online and, and look look him up um, it's MatthewFoster.com, uh Matthew with one T um, and we talk about uh, a lot of different things uh, including dealing with the issues that come with working with large-scale clients uh, motorcycles which we both have a passion for um, and just uh, L.A. and a lot of the different weird issues that come with living in any big city, not just L.A. Um, so let's go ahead and talk to Matthew and uh, see what he's thinking.
2: I tried, I got this microphone, but it is, I think it was like a $12 Amazon USB microphone, and it's like not working at all. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to have to roll with the, uh, this internal mic on this thing okay
1: it doesn't sound that bad i can see the little meter and stuff and it's looking all right so oh okay cool we should be good awesome all right so how's it been going man i haven't talked to you in a while
2: i know yeah it's been a it's been a few weeks or months uh it's been going really good i think uh i feel like i'm having that same feeling with everybody i talk to i'm like hey we haven't talked for months yeah uh and that just seems to be a general a general thing but um no it's been going really good like uh got i feel like we got a path path to trot down here for a little while so
1: good deal i can i can see your uh, apartment in the background that's pretty great looking place with that staircase
2: yeah no that's pretty good we've got a it's, you know decent sized little room and uh, it works for us now we're we're uh we're in downtown you know so it's it's downtown's been wearing on us we're loving la but like downtown is starting to get a little old yeah we're ready we're ready for a yard and a citrus tree and a garage uh again highland yeah, <laughs> park or something totally yeah highland yeah. park or eagle rock or something like that so I'm, it's in the horizon I, I hope so yeah
1: cool i i really liked pasadena when i was down there
2: yeah pasadena is really cool but it is really spendy is it um yeah yeah so we're i mean everything around here is nuts but uh uh we're, 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 good. We're, we've got a little sanctuary. Our place is like, it's kind of in the middle of craziness all around us. Okay. But our house is a nice little sanctuary and quiet.
1: And we can, cool. we can retreat. Right on.
2: So what have you been working on? Uh, well, one of the big things was like getting out of the house. Actually, that's been uh, a big deal as I'm sure, I'm sure. You, you, you found as well with like having a separate workspace from a living space. Yeah. Um, when we moved down here to LA, we, I just was working out of the apartment for the first two years, and um, I hadn't done that for a while. because I was so used to having an office and a space and like room to move and all that, and so that was a little bit of a challenge. But now, finally, I found a place just not too far from us, just five minutes away, uh, across the river in Boyle Heights, that I'm sharing with um, some really great, great guys that I met that are fabricator, woodworker, sort of concept builder kind of dudes. Okay so like i've got a little clean room aside from their sort of like metal shop wood shop area um so that's that's been really great to just like that happened in like late november early december last year okay cool. so i just just getting just getting set up in there so that was kind of um, a big a big thing and uh, just getting out of the house and having a proper workspace is a huge deal
1: yeah i i've done both back and forth over the years and I think I've finally settled on. I like going to a place to work. Yep. It makes me feel less like a derelict. Yeah, totally. Because there's too many days when you work from home that if it's like bad weather, you're like still in your pajamas, which sounds real romantic for people that have to go to a cubicle. Yeah. But it ain't that great.
2: No, it's not. It's like it, it's kind of fun for a little bit. But then after a little while, you realize like when you're at home, you just want to be at home. Yeah, and and like for me, like I want to go to work, and when I want, I want to focus, and then when I'm done, I want to clock out, and uh, you know, it's always everything's always churning in the background, but it's nice to like leave it there and then come back yeah, to it in the exactly. morning. It's, it's that it's that's
1: for me the, the biggest thing is I like to compartmentalize. Like, you know, when I'm in, in work as it own, I just want to work and get stuff done, and when I'm at home, I just want to relax, and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. nice to split it all up.
2: Yeah, I think that that's been a big. I feel a big part of, like, the maturing process in my working life is, like, balancing, balancing not working with working is a big deal. Yeah, Uh-oh. yeah.
1: So, okay, so I'm going to ask you um, just a little background. Matthew and I have known each other for several years now. Um, and the first time that we met and worked together was for The Gap. Uh, that's when I first uh, got to know you. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, that being said, um, there's a lot of times over the last, gosh, when, what year was that when we started all that gap stuff? Was it 2010 or 11 maybe? Maybe, maybe 2010 or maybe, probably two, yeah. Cause it's, it ended up spanning over, you know, like six, seven months, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think, oh gosh probably no later like early 2011 at the latest
1: okay so right. uh a, a couple of questions that i had and even though you and i have formed a, a friendship and a working relationship over the years yes. i don't think i've ever asked you this which is like at the time you were you were a designer you were one of the original founders of omfg co and before yeah. that you were at uh, wyden kennedy
2: yeah, yeah, I was at Widen Kennedy for a few years, uh, about two years is all I could handle there. Um, it was a great experience there um, in the advertising and it was like this weird threshold time of, of Widen trying to like get into the digital interactive world. Okay, So I was kind of spanning across, uh, just just doing like, crazy, crazy online advertisement stuff like banner ads, microsites, and then towards the end of my time at Wyden doing, like, internal presentations um, that were web-based or, like, sort of interactive-based there for a little bit. And then I jumped over to uh, good friends of mine uh, who had a shop called Instrument. Um, I was their seventh hire, and uh, they were very much a web design studio at that time and didn't really quite have the path they've since gone on to now they have they're like 90 something employees now they're like a major force they're both a design interaction studio they're creating original content they that's they're like they're 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 off on, and running in, a, in an amazing way but when i was there it was just a small little web shop okay and then from that uh i think that was around 2008 early 2009 when that kind of all tanked with the economy and um that's when i met uh Fritz and Jeremy uh, who i'd worked with prior at and Kennedy and they had just just started omfgco like the month prior and then we then we met up uh and kind of brought me in as a third equal partner like pretty much a month or two months after they had started the company
1: okay so for for people that aren't familiar with it like in in the uh, ad world like Wyden Kennedy is like a behemoth yeah and you guys dealt with like the you know fortune 500 top companies like like Explain why you were there. Like, what kind of companies you worked for, and what type of work? You already discussed type of work, but like, who did you work for?
2: Yeah, so I had for about a year or two, almost maybe almost two years leading up to my getting hired at Widen. I was I had finally decided to like make the plunge, quit all my day jobs, and be a freelance designer. Um, and I was focused. Mostly on web design with a little bit because I have a traditional sort of print design background as well But uh, had learned learned uh, how to build websites along the way and design them and um, was making some money doing that and then uh, Got lucky getting into widen just I, I knew some people that were there and, and got an interview and got in and it was just I had You know, I was really green at the time and just like got thrown in my first day I remember was like Starbucks holiday uh, campaigns that were going on. And they were like, hey, so we need these like, we need these banner, flash banners that are like, you know, animated snow and like Santa Claus comes through and then something you know, like, anim- just like straight up animation in in Flash at the time. This was, must've been like 2006, something like that. Yeah, 2005. And uh, I, I like kinda knew a little bit about that, but it was uh-huh. just trial by, <laughs> just throw them throw in like, and it was just trial by fire. Um, and it was super fun. Like uh, freaking out the first month, two months that I was there, like, Oh, am I even going to do this? Like, can I do this? Right. And, um, and then you just, you, I think that's a really great way to get good at something fast. Like, <laughs> Trial
1: by God, fire always try, works. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, it works really well. You either you sink or swim there. Um, so that was, that was really fun. So, but we were working on Google, Starbucks, Coca-Cola, Nike, obviously that's their main, their main client. Um, Gosh, what we we're um, there was a ton of stuff because we the, the the digital interactive studio that I was part of within sort of the general studio of widen um, touched on every client because it wasn't segmented off yet it was still like finding its way in the company so we worked on everything I wasn't assigned to one client so I got to jump around all over the place which is what I found I, I do like if I'm stuck on one having to do one one idea one Thing for too long, it gets it's it boring quick, and right. it's hard hard to stay stay excited about that stuff. But um, yeah, it was a pretty wild time. Uh, I just it, that world is. I always tell people that time and space warp around that building. Uh. And if you stay in it long enough, you start believing right. uh, that maybe <laughs> yeah, like that advertising means something or that it matters in the world. Right. And there's, there's, there's these people that are lifers there and I, and I, you know, they're, they're awesome people, super talented, but they've been in the game for, and in that world for so long, they start thinking that these ads for these giant companies like really matter. And they really got to like, make sure this is, and I, I just don't, I can't believe that. You know, like, uh, no one is going to remember the little Coca-Cola ad nowadays that's been on a billboard or whatever. Like, it's throwaway, it's garbage. It's just, it's it's here and it's gone. And um, I could only stomach that for so long. And it was just like, it was just too too crazy.
1: Yeah, see, that's kind of interesting. Um, I think I, I had a, a similar Experience on that path because um, when when you brought me into working on that stuff with Gap, mm-hmm. that was the first like really large scale, really high profile thing I had done, and you know you kind of get caught up in the excitement of it, and it's yeah. you know you see the mass exposure like those Pico to Gap trucks, you know th- that was a huge social media campaign that really worked. Yeah, and it was so exciting. much fun. But at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, the, the more and more that I did for them. And um, mm-hmm. Gap was a good company to work for. Yeah,
2: um, they were really cool. Surprisingly yeah, cool. Actually. Yeah, I,
1: I actually enjoyed the people I met, you know, through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up leading to, I think, um, because other large-scale companies saw that work, mm-hmm. that led to getting calls to do things that I really uh you know i was kind of appalled by yeah um you know yeah. there there was a uh really large pizza chain household name pizza chain that uh uh-huh. wanted me to um essentially put myself out there uh that they could connect with as we make our pizzas by hand just like this guy paints signs by hand
2: right and it was horrible <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I recall you mentioning something about that a while, uh, a little while ago, and yeah. and and there was a not, not like an existential or moral crisis, but just like, man, do I want to? This is gonna, this is gonna eat up a ton of time, and well, I think that's the it, big thing. It was thing,
1: also yeah. an existential threat because I told him, I'm like that's a lie everyone yeah. knows it's a lie <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna be forefront of the lie i'm just not interested to where their their response was so how much money do you need yeah and at that moment i felt like a complete whore and walked away from the whole thing
2: i'm like I yeah just that's do this man see and that's 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 why I, I got a lot of respect for you man because it's just that that takes you got to be able to to know what you want to do i think and I, I go, just going back real quick to the gap stuff. Like when we were doing that work, I felt like we were getting away with like something. I was like, I can't believe they're letting us hire a sign painter to paint this stuff in a gap. Like it was like, it was uh we, I think we all had this feeling of like, are they really going to let us do this? Like I was, uh, <laughs> I was
1: in the same astonished state, you know, especially because sign painting had not reached any kind of, Thing like it is now with the movie out and the book and all that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. put my coat on. I'm freezing my butt off. Yeah. I had to turn off the heaters because when I have them on, you can hear it in the background. Oh yeah. So, anyways, um, but yeah, I was uh, I was really freaked out. I was felt the same kind of thing. Like, are we all gonna get busted? Because
2: yeah, you totally, know we're in totally this bur-
1: fancy mall in the Glendale Galleria painting on the walls. It's totally. like is upper management going to come in and chase us off? I didn't know.
2: Yeah. It felt like we were like smoking in the boys room or something. Yeah. It was very much like, uh, uh, and that was, it was funny. Cause I was, I think that I, I didn't really realize until you said it. that was kind of pre, pre sign painter movie, pre, um, like kind of that major, like the bigger focus that's been on sign painting. And I, I feel like we were just so excited we, uh, to be able to like interact with 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 someone like you and and get get that kind of work done in a place that it, it normally would have been like i think it, and i think it kind of that little project i can i think encapsulates that whole the whole movement of people going you know the pre finalized society and like the whole sort of new focus on that i think we were kind of uh, we were always we've always looked at that kind of stuff like the the sort of vernacular design the just the the folk the folk transmission of of art i think is what has always interested me and and i know mfgco was definitely looking at all that stuff well uh, and
1: that and that's really always kind of been a question to me um is like what were you guys thinking when you got like this really big juicy contract from gap like what made you come to the conclusion of let's get a sign painter down there that that seemed like such an odd reasoning to me i mean i was happy but i'm just like what in the world are they doing
2: i think i know for myself and i think that that it was always i'm always trying to find the most subversive angle possible in any job i think um I, I love the idea of, you know, these are, these are clients, these are clients that can afford to pay top dollar, you know, like, uh, I've, I've always talked about the, the, like the Robin Hood business model. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, that's something that I learned from my, one of my design heroes, this guy Tabor Kalman. Who did Colors Magazine back in the day and, and had a really great studio called M Co? He talked about that as well. Like, the there's a scale, you know? The Gaps and the Nikes, they're at the further end of the scale. Right. And we're gonna charge them as much as possible and try to do as much because it is in that corporate world things tend to get watered down. Ideas start here and then they just kind of slowly get watered down through that management process, legal processes. Um, We got lucky I think on those jobs because we kind of snuck in and there, I don't think the the upper tiers realized on that first gap job what you were really doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they. We didn't have any approvals that went through uh, upper management, so we just just worked with this really great art director there, and uh, who just who brought us in and um, just kind of was like, "Do your thing, you guys." And we were like, "All right, well, we love neon, we love sign painting, and we love you know weird esoteric poetry for." taglines and all, all sorts of stuff like that. So I think we just, they just, and they just let us do it. And, um, you know, I think that was, that was always a fun thing to partner with really other talents people. That's, that's, that's something I think that started there and I'm trying to continue to do in my work as well is, is find really great like-minded people who are super talented and, and let them do their thing. Cause when I got the chance to do my thing, like it always turned out great. And it's like when you can bring in people and everybody can get paid and do good work and have fun that's that was really the ideal so well uh, and that,
1: that was such a blast for me uh working on all those projects with with you guys was that um i had, like i said i'd never done anything at, at that level before and you guys were just like just do your thing and i'm like you know, I was at first going into, well, do you want the the corner sharp? Do you want? And you're like, I don't know, just do what you want to do, <laughs> which was really yeah. really awesome because that made it fun. And then I was able to bring uh, John Arnott, mm-hmm. um, which you guys all met. Um, yeah. Which you know that that guy is just uh, he's he's one of those uh, once in a lifetime guys that like really changes how you work and how you view things and is a a really awesome thing to have him involved in all that too
2: that was really awesome to just because like we'd always like seen photos you know the old archive photos of sign painting and like you see that and like wow it's really cool but then when you see like that was like what getting to work with you guys was the first time i really get to see real craftsmen doing doing the work and like doing their trade that was just like it was just amazing like i there you see it as a as a photograph and then you see someone actually doing that work and it's just I think that's where they you truly get to appreciate that and see something that's just it's 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 so worth bringing that in whenever it can make sense to me like that, that was really awesome
1: yeah that that uh, that first job at the Glendale Galleria was um, mm-hmm. a real challenge though because we had like such limited time yeah and um, I remember the uh, there was one wall that had all this legalese, fine print yeah. stuff that I'll get lettered, and I really hated you guys for that. But um,
2: yeah, I, that's I, I. We had you do the, the the policy in terms of services for uh, signing up for a Gap credit card. Yeah, there's <laughs> like, like there's like fifty or sixty paragraphs. Huge, that it was like. huge. It was. I look back on that and I'm like, that is torturous. But it was also like you you look at like really they're going to sign paint the credit card terms of service like that that to me just like it is like getting away with something really ridiculous and amazing like um even if you just didn't read it seeing that giant piece of, of hand lettered text is just like it's just something to behold i think that's i think that's that was like kind of our job is to like bring in these moments that'll just liven up this room um and, and you know trying to find trying to find ways uh, to really dig into the history of the area like uh glendale being um uh, the jewel city um yeah. like kind of kind of learning about all that stuff and like just the, those are these are classic sort of this is classic vocabulary uh neon sign painting um uh, those are those are moves that have happened throughout time in los angeles and you know like i think that was was a really cool thing for us to be able to like well it just makes sense like it's all around us it's we can we can use these moves inside a mall <laughs> and try to like class the place up a little bit
1: well I, I learned a lot from that whole process and and you know like i've told you over the years i've consistently ripped you off since then <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but well, uh, yeah, yeah it was a really cool thing so okay so you're you're working at this huge behemoth ad agency for these Mm -hmm. huge companies um then you guys you broke off with uh those guys to to form Mm -hmm. omfg co yep yep and then um that kind of just like exploded you guys got tons of media coverage and support for that um how did that all come about was that all completely organic or
2: yeah it was it was um I, yeah, so I'd, I'd been through Wyden, had, did a year with Instrument, and then the economy kind of tanked, and they laid off a bunch of people, and I was sort of set loose to the winds again and um, was freelancing just as much as I could, and I, I got a studio space with a good buddy of mine who used to work at Wyden as well, this guy Paul Bjork, and we um, were sharing uh, like a rinky-dink little little office in Chinatown in Portland, uh, up on the third floor of this Building and uh, we needed, we had extra room, and we needed, we needed to share the space up a little bit. So, kind of reached out to my network, and Fritz, uh, who I worked with at Wyden, had left as well, almost freelancing, and he had just started talking to this other guy who was still internal at Ace Hotel to um, to do to do their own thing. And so I was like, well, just we got room, you guys can an office, and they're like, yeah, sure. They they met up at the space, and we all just painted the floor, you know, cleaned the walls up built a couple of desks like put through some slabs of wood on uh some sawhorses and just called it a called it a creative office and we all kind of were all doing our own thing and uh, uh i started working with 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 fritz and jeremy on some of the their their first their first client they had just got was a, this uh restaurant and charcuterie business called olympic provisions and so we just started working together kind of immediately um hit it off really really well and they had just just created the legal entity of OMF Gico and quickly amended it to add me as a, as a third partner. Um, and we were just off and running. Like we just, it was, uh, it was completely not looking forward much at all. It was just like, we're having a lot of fun. We really like each other. Let's make a company, let's do it. And we just signed the boilerplate papers and off, went off running and didn't, didn't look back and uh we had a we had it we had it we found a really good rhythm there for almost three years it was a really uh interesting time um we got a lot more attention than we ever never expected i never i never expected that to happen um but we we got to do some really really great work and and had a lot of fun and i learned so much and uh now are you
1: the one that designed the meat sign
2: So, yeah, so that was, that was like a group, everything was a group effort. There was really like, you know, everybody was just throwing ideas around. We had, we were constantly sketching, drawing, you know, showing each other our screens, like what we were working on. So, uh, the meat sign was like, I think in the, was like in the back of the brains for a really long time. Like the, the client actually couldn't afford it. And they were like, yeah, we really want to do this, but I don't think we can afford it. Cause we were trying to like sal- go to architectural salvage and find letters and like uh-huh. put it together. And, uh, we were like, you know, like we just, we felt so strongly about that sign going in there because we knew it would could be like the photo moment and just tie the whole room together. And so basically we we're like, this has to happen. We'll just build it. We'll figure out a way to build it. So we got some sheets of really good plywood, you know, traced all the letters out, got a jig, you know, a, a, a bandsaw and just cut the thing out and then wrapped it with uh some 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 uh some sheet metal all rolled up sheet metal and cut ourselves terribly uh, pounded a bunch of little nails in to fit it all in and then like drilled a bunch of holes and ran christmas lights through the whole thing uh it was just i mean we did it for like 300 bucks i think for people who don't
1: know that it's the um it's
2: the individual individual letters with the lights inside of it it's Become, it's very Coney Island. It's like, it's, yeah. it's old Americana. It's like not a new idea by any. No, means. no,
1: not at all. But it, it sparked something. I, I was at Target the other day and they were selling these little signs that was the same exact approach, but they were like tiny little Christmas mm-hmm. lights in them. And you know, it just, um, it's just one of those things yeah, You know, that just became something, which I, I, I thought that was pretty interesting that um, that had a, a life to it. And e- even though it is borrowing from something old, um, it, it kind of became something of its own.
2: Yeah, I think the one of the one of our favorite quotes that I think um, has inspired me for a long time is this guy, Jim Jarmusch, the filmmaker. Um, he says something along the lines of like, it's not where you get your inspiration from, it's where you take it to. Um, that matters and I think that I, I truly believe that because there's in our world now I feel like we, you can look up anything you want to find an image of anything you can probably find it yeah. and some, someone's Tumblr'd it or Pinterest'd it or posted it somewhere you know like it's just everything is, everything is revealed um, at one, this point point.
1: one of my favorite Morrissey quotes which he stole from someone else is mm-hmm. uh, talent borrows genius steals yeah you know yeah it's totally just, uh, if you're not pulling inspiration from everything you're not doing your job
2: exactly and i think that was something that that i think we we did well i i i think we we knew how to look at something and 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 try to twist it into something new and a little different a little fresh a little a little subversive take on on stuff and um, yeah, that meat sign was one of those things where we were like, once we installed it, we're like, we we kind of called it. We're like, this is going to be the New York Times photo, and this when this restaurant gets written up in the Times, we're gonna, this is going to be in the background. Sure enough, like about four months later, it was. And so we're awesome. like, that that right there was sort of a lesson that I think that I that has stuck with me it was like, follow your gut, even if even if you're going to maybe lose lose a little money or break even or. You know, like it's not about if the client can afford it or or, or what. It's more about like, is this really going to make? Is this really going to tie it all together? And like, what's the motivation for the work? Uh, I think, and that was a that was a big one. Gotcha. So okay,
1: so you you were in Portland for quite a while.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm from. I'm an Oregonian by birth, and was in Portland for I don't know about a decade, I think.
1: Okay. Um. So like, when you watch Portlandia, is that like? Pretty close.
2: Yeah, oh, I love it. It's absolutely true. Uh, people, people in Portland who still live in Portland, they get all up in arms, like, oh, you know, this. Yeah. it's fully true. Every single episode is a hundred percent true.
1: When, <laughs> when I lived up in Seattle, Tacoma area, I got sent down to Portland a few times um, to do some work, and um, but that was before the like hipster explosion up there. So
0: yeah, I, yeah, really...
2: I think. I think Portland, India could be L.A. It could be Brooklyn. It could be anywhere that has a contingency of young, um, overeducated, underpaid people.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so now you're in L.A. Like, yep. how,
0: yep, been here how, been here how did three that years.
1: transition come about? And you know, I also notice um, from stalking you occasionally um, that you you do a lot of work still in Portland, so you fly back there. Um, mm-hmm. how, how does that all work
2: so actually it's it's funny I think the that those gap jobs with with you are, are kind of a central a central theme to all this really uh, those those jobs that that was the first time I really got to work and hanging out in Los Angeles was doing the work for gap, and I remember just being like, wow I really uh, not wanting to trust my own feelings. I'm like, do I like this place? Am I liking LA? Like I'm not supposed to like, I'm not, uh-huh. you're not supposed to like LA if you live outside of it. And, and uh, I remember just like getting this feeling like, yeah, this is kind of cool actually. And, uh, and you know, my partner's being like, Oh God, I can't wait to get back to Portland. This is crazy. And I was just sort of like, I don't know. This is kind of good. And, uh, my lady Alicia and I would come down, uh, and visit and do like a, a week in Joshua tree. And, and I think we kind of fell in love with the desert, just like getting getting out of escaping Oregon and getting some good some sunshine. Yeah, uh, we just kept coming down here, and we we're like, I think we could live here. Uh, it just kind of it just kind of was like in the back of our minds. Um, and then uh, when OMFJCO fell apart, uh, our partnership fell apart. Um, we were all just kind of sitting there. Alicia, Alicia had been working at White and Kennedy for at the time as well. She she was doing her two year stint there. And right around the same time that, that OMF-GCO partnership kind of crumbled and she was like getting burnt out by Wyden and Kennedy herself. We were like, we could just get out of here. We just kind of saw a break in the clouds and, and uh, we made the decision and saved up for a few months as much money as we could. And then we just took the summer off and camped our way down the coast uh, with really no plan in mind or no, no place to live and uh, loaded everything up in storage that we didn't need just camped our way down and, and found our way found our way here until we kind of landed in uh the arts district here uh in downtown cool
1: yeah one of my um weirdest uh la stories happened while working at the gap <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you were there um it might have been one of the other guys but there was a a, a big evergreen tree in the um in the outside area at the at the Gap store at... Uh, oh, in the Grove? In the Grove. Yeah. And they were chopping all of the branches off of it. And they were reinstalling the branches so that it would make the perfect Christmas tree. And I was like, yes. this, this is the ultimate L.A. metaphor right here. They're Tell killing me. this awesome tree so that they can have one awesome Christmas with it. It's like, right. wow, that is insane.
2: Yeah, that I was that was one of the things that we took that was a story that we took back to Portland and we were just like, You won't believe what they're doing. Like, <laughs> like it was it was insane. And I think that is very true of a lot of parts of LA. I think the thing that I've found since moving here is like that weirdo fake life exists and you can avoid it. Oh There's LA so is
1: totally bipolar. I mean they you know, you can go into you know, uh Highland Park and You know it's a totally different environment so
2: yeah it's a really big place and like the cliches are all true but they're also avoidable so i think um you know if you if you if you've got a job you gotta drive to every day and you're you're in hollywood or you're in the west side and you're in the the film world or the advertising world it can it can be pretty bad Um, but there's room to do your own thing in this city and and we've we found really great luck um a lot of the people that we've met from doing those gap jobs really expedited our, uh, our like comfort level into getting into the city. Like the folks at Paqueto, Ted and Angie, um, were, were amazing folks who just who basically walked us through our neighborhood that we now live in. And that's how we found where we're living was just, you know, meeting folks that we had, we had found through, through the internet and through the work that we did with Omajiko and, and, um, uh just got really lucky I think Um, and I'm finding it there's there's a choose your own adventure sense here there's no one stopping you and there's no one really helping you but there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of stuff kind of floating around if you can kind of just find find your zone it's it'll it can be really good cool
1: so um, you're you you've been operating basically as as a freelancer is that correct Mm -hmm. for yeah several years now and you just launched Radical Co-op. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, like, what's uh, the deal with that? Yeah, it's it's more of like a just a, a natural extension of what's been happening. Uh, as a as a sole sole proprietor or you know single single owner operator, you get screwed on taxes if you don't have a, a business like an LLC to run stuff through. So, as part utility, like, man, I really need to get a a proper a proper business to like route all this stuff through instead of just being a sole proprietor so you know self-employed um but also just like getting i'm I'm about a three-year mark here in la and starting to feel really comfortable with what i think i can do and the sort of building that network of people that i can partner with to do good work and so it's just sort of like okay now i can start a studio and um radical cooperative is just kind of this thing in the back of my mind that i feel is has always been the, the larger overarching idea of how i like to do work is like uh it's not a one stop shop in reality logistically technically but it, it can be uh, because I know great fabricators I know great neon people I know sign painters that are amazing I know photographers um, all these different people that are assets within w- which would be a creative agency that all exist in their, in a larger network and just being able to pull the pull Pull the right people in at the right times is kind of the 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 idea behind the Um, co-op you know i I can have a uh, a great idea for like sort of overarching creative and art direction for a project but i can't do all of it Uh, i don't want to do all of it it would be a disservice if i tried to do all of it so uh, and trying to hire people under that studio is just so expensive and i think most people want to have the freedom to be freelance um so I think that's kind of the the, stu- the the idea behind the co-op is just to be able to bring in people as needed and uh, get to do great great work in that way.
1: Very cool. So you um, you one area we also connect on. You're also a motorcycle fanatic. Yeah. So let's talk motorcycles.
2: Oh uh, yeah. So that that ties into my, some of my, my one of my longest standing Portland clients is a CC Motor Copy. Um, they they came. Now,
1: what is that exactly? Is that like a coffee shop, and they sell motorcycle stuff? What is it?
2: Yeah, it's a building. So, uh, it's a building that's half coffee shop and half motorcycle shop. Exactly. You can go in and buy a helmet, a quart of oil, some new spark plugs, gloves, and then go over to the other side of the building and get a get an americano and like a little pastry and that hang out awesome. in this it's the greatest thing in the world. It's like one of the, the, I miss that more than the many things in Portland, uh, being able to go over there and hang out with those guys. And it's a, it's the most inclusive motorcycle thing that you could ever be a part of because there's, you know, you, anybody who knows motorcycles knows like it just gets divided into like oh, yeah. chopper chopper guys or race guys or super bike guys or, you know, cafe racers or whatever the hell, you know, like, uh, and CC just brings in everybody. It's like anything two wheels. Are you excited? Are you cool? Like are you gonna be positive about this? Like come hang out. Like it's really, um, it's really a great thing. And uh, so yeah. So like when I my my buddy Kevin, who I played guitar in a band in, had been riding motorcycles for a long time, and was like, man, when are you gonna get a bike? When are you gonna get a bike? And I was like, I don't know. I, I think it just kind of like was creeping up and, on me. And then all of a sudden, I, I found myself. You know, with my with my with my uh, M class license and taking the taking the safety training weekend, I don't know five six years ago, and um, uh, it just it just was like here's the missing thing in my life, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now I got it real bad, and I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm like the so we we live in this complex here in L.A. and we've got like this parking structure that's sort of built into the Seventh Street Bridge. And I'm like the like hillbilly guy, I think, because I've got like the dirt bike, my, my other get my Kawasaki, the trailer that I put the dirt bikes onto all and everything's all kind of stuffed in a corner over there. And I think I'm just like, oh, God, I, I don't know what my neighbors think, but it's. Uh,
1: I, I have a, a similar story as, as well that just you reminded me of, again, at the Grove, which uh-huh. for people that don't know, that's like where all of the Hollywood and rich, elite, famous people shop and um that uh that day that we finished all that work in the grove and i Mm -hmm. I remember that was the day um that you and i we were kind of chit-chatting outside and we that was one of the first times we'd really i think connected Mm -hmm. but i was completely exhausted and went to when i first drove in there and and anyone who knows my shop truck it's an old 79 gmc it's a rusty piece of crap but it's a good truck it's a great truck but I, uh, it's got these ladder racks on it. And when I first pulled in there, the, this really obnoxious guy who's working in the parking garage for the mall is like, you've got to go on the top floor with that thing. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever, man. So I'm driving up there. Um, and when I was driving up to the top floor, I didn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. But when I went to leave, and this is like maybe seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock at night, uh-huh. uh, the angle of the roof of this parking garage, I, I was scraping with my truck. Oh, no. And I, no exaggeration. There's literally sparks shooting off as I'm going <laughs> under each little crossbar. Oh, and I'm having to go down, I, don't, I think it was like six or seven floors to the bottom, and I just kept driving past these rich ladies with beamers and stuff that were just horrified that I was passing by in this old piece of crap with the sparks flying. But, what are you (laughs) going
2: to do? You know, LA needs that. I think that's... uh, My feeling is, like, I'm trying to bring a little dose of of, uh, some some reality, I hope, to the projects I do. (laughs) uh, Or a different reality. You know, like, it's... People get... People take themselves too seriously, and they're so wrapped up in, you know, image. Uh, they, yeah, at least they can be. Um, I, the really great, surprising thing uh, about this, about being here, is like there's that exists, but there's so many great people. There's been so much, so much great, great folks that we've met, and uh, who don't exude that cliched LA stereotype. And it's oh been yeah, a I real- don't
1: want to just blanketly. Oh, yeah. No, those people are there. But they are there. Those people are there. And and you
2: can spot them from a mile away. Every
1: cliche you've ever heard about fake boobs and, you know, big fancy cars, that element is there. And when you come across them, it's almost surreal because it's like they're so disconnected and they're Mm -hmm. so
2: bizarre that they don't get there that bizarre. And it's kind of a freak show totally is and you got to do a little work i mean we won't name names but you got to do a little work for some of those elite upper crust uh celebrity folks before you yeah i tell texas right
1: yeah no I'll, I'll name names i don't care <laughs> what are they gonna do take my podcast away <laughs> uh, no actually one of my favorite people that i got to work for uh was lindsey buckingham of fleetwood mac yeah, really super so cool, humble guy. He scared the crap out of me because he sat behind me and watched me gold leaf the window for hours, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my god! No gosh. pressure, right? No pressure, <laughs> but, but his wife was oh, she's so a real fair. she's a real famous interior designer, mm-hmm. and um, they've got this place in Beverly Hills that they had me come do a bunch of signs and gold leaf for. Um, um, so what what's next for you now, man? What are you what are you gonna dabble in next?
2: Uh, let's see I think just just trying to trying to keep the studio going and, and trying to just I feel like I've found a path uh, now with with the co-op and and just it's it's just the same thing I've been doing for for a long time it's just trying to do good work and and, and make a decent living and and uh, and get out and enjoy the rest of the world as much as I can I think that's been uh, you know trying to find that balance between working too much and working just enough and getting away from it and letting it letting it sit, uh, I've got some good, good projects coming up uh, with, with the community, I think one of the things actually I was thinking about with, with, the, with the studio is just really focusing on my, my locality, like I don't think, uh, I'm gonna try to position the studio to be serving the American West, like I don't think we're gonna do work east of the Rockies, because I don't know that, I don't know the rest of that world, I, I think a, a big thing, there's enough happening in Los Angeles, in San Francisco and Portland. To keep me busy the rest of my life oh um, yeah for sure and i found uh that most of the work that i've been getting has been word of mouth like i <laughs> uh, there's there's my web presence is is laughable uh <laughs> on uh, <laughs> intentionally but uh uh it's mostly been oh hey i heard, heard heard from this other guy you did a project from them and hey we, we've got the same you want to meet for, for a beer or for coffee and it's been very Old school in that way, like just getting a phone call or an email, and like, hey, let's meet up and talk. And that's been awesome because it kind of filters the filters the kooky clients for you, uh, generally. And so it's it's been really good. And I just I think the big thing is for me is just trying to maintain my relationships and, and my my reputation and uh, and not worry so much about the work being as you know unique and forward and future or I don't know like. I, I think good work happens when you work with great people and uh, I care more about maintaining those relationships. I think than than I do like fussing over, Oh, did I do that just right? Or did I, did I, did I nail that? Did I do it? Or like the things?
1: next big thing
2: and not or focusing the next on, big on the thing, now yeah. thing. Or I, I got to make sure I photograph this so I can get, you know, get attention online for it afterwards. It's like, I don't, I, I'm, that's why I don't have a website now. It's like I've got years worth of stuff that could be or should be photographed and, put it all up in some portfolio but uh that's why i was loving that in one of your earlier podcasts like talking about the portfolio with the like taking an actual photograph to get developed i was like Uh that's that's really the attitude it's like there's a whole bunch of stuff nobody needs to see going on in the background uh yeah
1: and you know i i I just have this and and i know you've got it too i've mm -hmm. just got this disdain for social media but at the same time i mean it's like you can't not participate yeah uh, and be in business but i i hate that i have to and i hate yeah. that um you know uh like what was it last year i mean we had built up a huge following on instagram yeah and i just kept getting bombarded with these you know ridiculous comments and questions and i just got frustrated deleted it and now i'm <laughs> trying to rebuild it again because i'm trying to you know get people to you know, in, engage with the podcast and everything, but I'm just like, I, I hate it.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I mean, just do my job, man. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's hard to play that game. There's a way to play the game. I think though, where you can be yourself and not feel over, overwhelmed. Uh, but it takes some, it takes some discipline and like a real clear point of view and um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like it's just, it's so not, not thought thought out and that's why I'm really I was like when you when you said you're doing this podcast I was just like man that's so surprising but also really makes sense because you can you can have a conversation you can have it be your own thing there's no rules about this stuff and uh people who are interested it's total punk rock you know I love it It, it's like
1: uh, you know guys that had like the worst guitars and the no ability to play them you know, uh, did some cool stuff, and it's like I have no idea how to do all this electronic technology editing crap. But yeah. you know, I'm having conversations, and people are liking it, and I'm getting to talk about what I want to talk about without some stupid corporate sponsor telling me, you know, oh well, we need to steer this, the conversation this way. It's like yeah, ain't nobody telling me what to say. I kind of like that.
2: No, it's good. I think that's 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 truly the spirit that I think is. Is needed more of, and like it's it's great. Like I've been, I was talking to some guys yesterday. Um, I was like, I was like, you guys know Sean Star, and they're 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 in the lettering and hand sign hand signing world, and they're like, he's got a podcast, you know. And it's like they're they've flipped out, and I was like, yeah, man, it's gonna be really cool. Like you got to check it out, and it's. Uh, I feel like I I run into so many people, and there's they're they're it's really a a lot of folks are listening um, to these people and some of the stuff is really produced super well, you know, like radio lab and all that other stuff. And it's like, it, that makes it nice, you know, with all the crazy sound design and tons of money getting tossed into it. But really I have just as much fun listening to, you know, you and, and, uh, and Tom Collins talk than than without all the stuff, Fluff around it, you know. like no, it's, that's it's all... the
1: exciting thing, and I'm I'm still working on ways to improve, you know, the sound quality and stuff. You know, I want it to be good, but at the same time, it's you know, I I know over the years, you know, one of my favorite things is these conversations. You know, I've had yeah. people either other sign painters or people like yourself that I've worked with, and it's just like, you know, that that to me is a blast.
2: Yeah, I think it it really comes back down like I, I'm a broken record about motive it's all about your motive. Like if it doesn't really matter too much about the end product, like it doesn't matter how slick or fancy it is. If your motive is true and you know what it is and you're saying something honest and real, that's all that matters. And I think that's, that's why
1: Bob Dylan has staying power. His voice is terrible, exactly. but he's Bob Dylan and he created that. And and it's awesome. You know,
2: I think that's the biggest that, that for all, all the stuff I've learned through the years of the different, you know, different jobs I've had and, having that studio and having it fall apart and all this stuff, it's, it, the work is, the the work is, the the work comes first as a Wyden and Kennedy quote, but it also is, it, motive comes first, I think, really, uh, understanding why you're doing the thing you're doing. If you can, if you're just doing, some, I think, in the, the, you know, getting back to the, like, why are you, why are these young kids trying to be sign painters? You know, are they really putting in the time? Are they really, what is their motive? Are they just trying to get, Get some attention, or are they trying to get good, right. really good? You know, I think that's that's the key. It's the the motive is the key.
1: Absolutely. So uh, let's talk tunes, man. Oh yeah. What, what have you been listening to? And um, you know, give me some guilty pleasure stuff. Everybody keeps naming off this obscure, like really cool stuff, and that's good. But come on, we all listen to some crap once in a while. What are you listening to?
2: So I was thinking about that because I was like, I, I've been a little disappointed with the like. oh, I can't sound. I can't sound. I gotta make sure I got everybody knows what I'm listening. to, Like you know what I really listen to. If you're listening um, to
1: Abba's greatest hits, I ain't gonna judge you. Come on.
2: Yeah. So for me recently, and this is it's not embarrassing. It's just out of character for me. Um, I've been getting into like sort of '90s and 2000s hip hop. Okay. And I'm, and it's just. I, you know people who know me they're like dude you're not listen to hip-hop what's the deal but i don't know as i get older and like being in los angeles there's there's a record label that's been in highland park for the last 10 years called stone's throw records and they there's some great great music and producers this guy's mad Lib, um this other guy named jay dilla um mf doom this dude that wears this crazy mask when he raps it's <laughs> It's kind of like it's so not what I've what I'm normally drawn to, but it's been a really awesome like sort of segue away from, you know, the Kinks, which is basically all I normally listen to. Okay, the yeah. Kinks. Yeah, right. no, that that's um, you know, the is the Beatles or Stones? Question. The answer is the Kinks.
1: Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> at least you're taking a stand. I like that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, I know
1: you also listen to like some really crazy aggressive y kind of music Uh, you've sent me some links before and i'm just like "Ah, i can't do that man
2: yeah yeah actually it's it's funny and that's been getting less and less as i like mellow out and get a little older yeah like the stuff i was listening to when i was in my mid 20s i was like oh man i was so angsty so much angst
1: (laughs) i used to listen to a lot of punk and like now i just sit there listening to van morrison and a lot of that kind of stuff just much more mellow
2: yeah, way more mellow. You know, I think it just comes with your perspective. You know, like uh, how stressed out are you? How you know, you young and angsty are you? And uh, I still, will, I love being able to pop in. You know, misfits or something crazy like that. I, but it's mostly now it's a lot of Django Reinhardt. Um, yeah, got a lot of him on my. Got a lot. Of, got a lot of that. Um, this fellow named Bry Webb, uh, who was a, a singer in a band called Constantines, who was still my one of my favorite rock bands. Uh, of of modern times but he's a great singer-songwriter and then Bill Callahan I think a lot of Bill Callahan another country kind of folky songwriter guy
1: yeah I'm a big fan of John Prine he's kind of that genre too
2: oh yeah John Prine was like that's like an he's an ancestral memory for me like my my uncle my dad were like yeah he was one of their main songwriters there's always a John that was a great thing being able to go through your parents' vinyl collection when I was a kid just like yeah a lot of John Prine a lot of zeppelin and a lot of you know there's that sort of southern california kind of 60s 70s of Fleetwood mac yeah, yeah good stuff yeah.
1: Yeah. all right man well thanks for coming on the show absolutely which is basically just two of us sitting here but that's cool
2: yeah man I, i've been looking forward to it uh, i've had such a blast here in all the other conversations and um uh, it'll be interesting to to be the first non-sign painter i think uh, uh,
1: i think yeah i think you are all right cool yeah it's pretty so, fun yeah
2: you're you we've,
1: we've inducted you in so
2: <laughs> yeah I i friend of sign paint if i can be you know matthew foster friend of sign painters I, i'll be happy with that
1: okay well I, I, I still got intentions to get your hand with a you, you get a brush in your hand
2: well piece. i'm still you know i didn't i didn't bring that up I'm, I'm i'm working on that a little bit but i'm i'm by no means entering the entering the trade
1: but. You're, not, you're not willing to call yourself a master sign painter
2: no Okay. No <laughs> but I'm get, I'm getting some I'm getting some one shot on my fingers here and there
1: okay well you guys yes. have the low VOC stuff out there now I got a couple of cans I haven't even cracked them open to try them yet but
2: yeah I've been hearing about this I'm curious to see yeah, what the difference is not
1: about. not really sure but eh, yeah. whatever all right man well
2: uh, great chatting with you Sean
1: yeah good talking to you hey so there we go another episode uh, I'd like to thank Matthew for coming on I really appreciated that and enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I was thinking the other day, it'd be kind of good to occasionally uh, put something out there for those of you that are uh, trying to learn uh, the trade. And um, one, one thing I, I would like to uh, recommend is, um, you know, may, maybe set aside some time uh, on a regular basis to just sit down and, and sketch with a pencil and paper. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of us, uh, uh, you know, do it on a regular basis, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of my sketches are really crude. They're they're not nice. They're not something you'd want to frame um, and and share with your friends. But that's okay. It's you know, the the immediacy of being able to work out ideas and and work out kinks um, with pencil and paper. Uh, I think is far more valuable to the creative process than. Just sitting there on the computer and trying to move different forms around so um, So there you go. That's that's my little tip is uh, take some time and draw Uh, You know it's um, there there there's definite uh, There's definite advantages to working with the computer um, as far as uh, using it as a tool uh, but don't don't depend on it. Don't rely on it. Um, you know really exercise uh, your your skill of, of drawing and um, It'll really help your paint work. So there you go. There's my tip. All right. Well uh, again, thanks for for tuning in for yet another week and uh, thanks to everybody for the support and the And the thumbs up and and emails and social media comments that we're getting, I really do appreciate it. And um, if you like the show, go to iTunes, subscribe, and hit us up and uh, give us a review. That would be great. Till next week, um, enjoy yourselves, do some paint work, do some drawing, and uh, enjoy a good cup of coffee.
0: Today's episode of Coffee with a Sign Painter is brought to you by Full City Rooster Coffee Roasters in Dallas, Texas. Roasting distinctive coffees from around the world. Sean drinks Full City Rooster Coffee every day in the studio. You can order their coffee online at fullcityrooster.com. coffee with a sign painter hosted by sean star you can find all sorts of info about the show and sign painting including previous episodes at our website (laughs) seanstar.com